We celebrate together what God is doing in Uganda. Isn't it helpful to see? I'm visually oriented, but isn't it helpful to see and the relationships and the joy? Uh, it, it is a joy to connect. I, I hope you know God's family, all nations, all cultures, and it's a joy both overseas and in the sound to build those friendships and relationships. And we thank God that we get to participate together. Now, uh, it's a process and a prayerful process of returning to church and ministries that are reopening here at Grace. It's exciting. And we're seeing things grow. And we're highlighting opportunities for you if you want to serve and get involved. And last week, we took a look at Grace Kids because we have more and more kids returning to church and coming from the neighborhood for the first time ever. And there's a need for people to step in and lead and teach these kids. And then also uh, this week, I want to highlight Grace Cafe. We're reopening. You might have seen as you walk by today, Grace Cafe is open. There's been a lot of work done there. Uh, there's coffee in there. We want to keep adding and, and building up. It's such a great place to connect. And if you want to serve, if you have a gift and you're interested in coffee, well, that's most of us. If you're interested in coffee or coffee ministry or serving, hospitality, you have that interest, just to the church phone number, text the word serve, and we'll give the information, and you can take the next step in joining that team. Now, we are in a new series, and this series, Listening to God, because we live in a busy culture, a noisy culture, a lot of voices, and we don't always stop and tune in, pay attention to heaven, and really seek God and listen. So we want to take that time in this series to be intentional, to be still, to listen to God. We're going to go through five prophets, minor prophets, not less important, but just smaller books in the Old Testament. And each book is, is we move through it pretty quick. Joel's the first one. Today we're in Joel chapter one, so you can turn there in your Bible or find it on your phone. We're also going to look at Obadiah. That's one chapter for the whole book. Uh, Zephaniah, Haggai, Malachi. And as we go through these books, what is God saying? What is God saying then? And what is God saying right now to us? We want to be, again, listening to God. In Joel chapter 1, the theme today is a path forward. A path forward when life is difficult. Maybe you felt lately life has been a little more difficult than usual. What is the path forward? Let's listen and seek God. Let's pray together. Father God, we give you praise, Lord. We see the blessings in our life. And we don't take them for granted. God, we see the opportunities you lay out ahead of us. God, your word says that you go before us and you put those opportunities in our path and you've already set them up. And we want to walk forward together by faith. And God, we thank you for your word. We don't take it for granted. We, we want your word. We're hungry for you and for your word to listen, to grow. And we don't want to miss a word, God, that you're speaking to us. We don't want to miss a word today. God, that you have for us, we're ready to receive. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. We all need a path forward because we don't want to go backward. We don't want to go sideways. And we listen to God in that still, small voice. This is the way, walk in it. Have you had those moments, maybe recently, we are listening to God and he's saying, this is the way. Don't go that way. Don't make that choice. This is the way, walk in it. 
And God is gracious. He gives us two things that we need, clarity and courage. When God shows the path forward, we need clarity to walk that path with God, and we need courage to go down that road because it's not always the easiest road, but it's going to be worth it. Now, the prophet Joel is listening to God. Prophets were people who were tuned in, listening to God, and then they were God's mouthpiece. They told the people, they were foretelling about the realities of today, and they were also foretelling about what's to come. We're going to listen to God through Joel today as God speaks through different people in the Bible. And Joel, his name means the Lord is God. That's a significant name. Names have meaning. We want to notice the meaning of the names. And it was a time in the nation for the Israelites. We don't have an exact date on this book, but Bible scholars say it's probably about 800 years before Christ. And what we know about that time is that people were worshiping God, let's say over 100 years before that through King David. But now there's Baal worship and there's some other options and people are starting to drift in their faith. And Joel's name means the Lord is God. And there's about 12 Joels in the Old Testament, so you want to keep them straight. This Joel right here, we don't know a lot about him. The son of Pithul. We get that information. We know who his dad is, but we don't get a lot of additional information. And that's kind of Joel's style. Like, it's not really about me is the tone you get here as you read the book of Joel. It's not really about me, and let's focus on what it's really all about. Let's get to the core and Joel's someone, if your style is a little more direct, like, I don't need all the superfluous stuff. I don't need all the extras. I, I, can we just get to the core of what's going on in our lives? That's Joel's style. That's Joel's tone. So you're going to resonate with that tone as well. And he was speaking primarily to the southern two tribes. Again, the 12 tribes were united. But then when division came, 10 in the north, the 10 tribes were called Israel, and two in the south called Judah. And this is the audience that Joel is sharing with. God has a word through Joel to the people. Now we're going to look at three steps forward today on this path that God has for us. Three steps forward. And I want to remind you, this is very hopeful, that God does his greatest work so often in the most difficult times. If you're going through a very difficult time right now, be encouraged that God often does his greatest work during the most difficult and challenging circumstances. We're going to see that, that theme in this, in this book right here. Here's the first step forward, and it's to incline your ear to God's word. Incline your ear to God's word. Starting in chapter 1, verse 1, the word of the Lord that came to Joel, the son of Pethuel. Hear this, you elders. Listen, all who live in the land. Has anything like this ever happened in your days or in the days of your forefathers? Tell it to your children and let your children tell it to their children and their children to the next generation. We worship a God who communicates with us. Our God is a communicator. Sometimes people say, well, I don't know. I'm not really hearing God. I don't know what God's saying. And our encouragement to you is to open up the Bible because you will hear God as you open up the Bible. You will have as many of God's words as you want as you open up the Bible. I pray that there's a hunger in our souls to hear God, to seek God, to listen to God. God communicates. It's written down, and then also God communicates. The Holy Spirit communicates to our hearts and minds. So we're thankful that God does communicate, and the pattern of the Bible is that God brings his word we hear it, and then if we're trusting God, we live it, 
and we tell other people. I want to say it again. God speaks, we hear it, we live it, and we pass on what we've heard from God. And that's spiritual growth. And you say, well, well, that sounds kind of simple. Look at Jonah. Jonah heard the word of the Lord, go to Nineveh, live it, share the word. But Jonah went the other direction. And we can relate because sometimes we're busy and distracted. Sometimes we just ignore and neglect God's word. Sometimes we're stubborn and we resist it. And Jonah came to his senses and he's like, all right, I'm going to do it. And when he did it, many lives were changed. When we hear God's word, live God's word, share God's word, lives are changed. And that's the pattern of scripture. It's the power of God's word. When you open up the Bible, what you notice in the book of Genesis is that God spoke creation into existence through his word. He could have done it many ways, but he spoke, let there be light. He spoke and there was light. It's the power of his word. And God's word is unstoppable. It's eternal. And from Genesis to Revelation, read Revelation, because God has spoken about what is yet to come, and it will happen. He's already spoken it into existence. So there's power in God's Word. God's Word's also very personal. When you look at Moses, Moses heard God speaking. Moses, Moses. Personal relationship, communication, closeness. Have you felt God speaking to you personally? He does. He knows you. He knows everything about you. He knows your circumstances, your mindset, your attitude, and he speaks into your life. Moses, Moses, and Moses heard. But then there was also global. Moses wrote the first five books <clears throat> called the Pentateuch, and those five books of Scripture, what a basis, what a foundation. So Moses listened to God personally in his own journey, and then also Moses spoke to the people God's word, and it went global. And we have the first five books of the Bible. I think of Joshua Joshua followed Moses because Moses led the people right to the promised land, but in Joshua and his generation, it was going to be a breakthrough. And if you're sensing right now, God has given you a role, leadership, a breakthrough, somewhere you've never gone before, this is what God says to Joshua. You're going to need to know my word. You're going to need to meditate on my word. You're going to need to think about my word. And as you do during the day, during the night, as, you, as my word is on your heart and on your mind, I'm going to give you courage. You're going to lead the people where they haven't gone before. We need people today. There's everyday people in all kinds of situations where you live, work, learn, or play to be meditating on God's word, full of God's word, ready to move forward and influence and guide people and the path forward from God, just like Joshua the nation goes astray often in the Bible. But you see people like Ezra, Josiah, kings, prophets. They bring God's word. People return to God. They return to the word. And the nation, there's revival in the nation. <clears throat> Jesus is the word of God. Capital W, word. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. He's equal with the Father, but he's the word. Jesus is above scripture in the sense that the Bible is not the fourth person in the Trinity, okay? Uh, Jesus is fully God, fully human. He's the word. Uh, but again, God communicates, comes to earth, communicates in the flesh, God in the flesh. And we have uh, Jesus' words as well. I remember when I uh, came to know the Lord, it was in college. I didn't grow up reading the Bible, but I discovered the Bible. It was in a class. The professor was against the Bible, but God's word is so powerful. And I looked around, I was on the soccer team at the other teams on campus and the other athletes, and I 
not growing up with the word, I, I just wanted other athletes to experience God's word and get into God's word. So we started Fellowship of Christian Athletes, a few friends. And we went to each sports team and invited them to come in and shared our story. It was incredible. I mean, the coaches, they let us do that. And we shared and invited and the athletes came and we it got to the point where it's like, okay, what are we going to do? What are we going to study? And I was kind of surprised because the other people who knew Jesus for a while, they're like, I'm not going to lead. I'm not going to lead. It was like, oh, we don't have a leader. And I was like, well, I guess I'll lead then. I don't know the Bible, but I'll lead. And, uh, and it was just this sense that people need God's word. If we're going to reach people, we got to bring the word. And even if I don't know much, I'll share what I know. And uh, that's health, spiritual health, that as much as God has deposited in you, you look around at this culture right now, and there are so many quasi-Christians. There are so many people drifting from the word, never grew up in the word. There's a famine in the land of God's word. And you look out and your heart breaks. You say, oh, let's bring the word. Let's bring the word to the people in any context that you can. And as you get into God's word, don't compartmentalize it. Sometimes, you know, faith gets compartmentalized one hour, one place, Sunday morning. Like, let's, let's shatter that, right? Abide with Jesus, 24-7 relationship. Well, when we come to God's word, sometimes we compartmentalize it into knowledge. And we have this upbringing in our culture, Western culture. We often sign up for a class or we choose a class, choose a professor. And in that relationship with a professor in the academic setting, we're there to receive knowledge. And that's good. A lot of times with our professors, we might get to know them a little bit, but we're not going to like go home with them. We're not going to get lunch all the time. We're not going to maybe know their personal lives. We're not going to know all these different things about our teachers and professors. But in this context where there's a rabbi, Jesus, they said rabbi. When there's a rabbi, people didn't draw close to a rabbi just to get knowledge. That was part of it, and that was good. But when people chose to follow a rabbi, that was much more than knowledge. That's a relationship. And ultimately, I want to be like you. When you choose a rabbi, I want to be like you. I want to have your attitude. I want to treat people like you. I want to have kindness like you. I want to pray like you. I want to live like you. I want to lead like you. I want to be like you. And I encourage you when you open up the Bible, not just to get facts, although that's important, and not just knowledge, although that's wonderful, but ultimately, it's much more than that. It's drawing close to Jesus and saying, Jesus, transform me with your word because I want to be like you, rabbi. I want to be like you. And God gives us the word to help us grow in our faith. And there's also a responsibility uh, to seek God. You know, this, this phrase, hear this, in verse 2, that's an important phrase. Hear this. Joel's giving a plea to the people. Be attentive. Be teachable. Don't be distracted. Hear this. Tune in. In the book of Proverbs, and Proverbs is a book full of God's wisdom, and there's a similar exhortation in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 18, talking about the path. The path of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. But the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. And here, my son, my daughter, pay attention to what I say. Incline your ear to God's word. Listen closely. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to a man's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. Learn how to trust God, listen to God, and guard your heart. The word will keep you from sin.
You know, in the Bible, Samuel, someone who learned to listen to God. When you think of Samuel now, if you've read through his life, you'd say, well, yeah, he was so tuned into God and he brought words. He brought God's word to the people. What a prophet. But Samuel, you look at the early part of his life here, and he's just asking Eli, how do I listen to God? And Eli says, you got to be still. And you got to say, Lord, as you speak, I'm your servant and I'm listening. And Samuel learned how to listen to God. Learn how to listen to God. Uh, there's going to be verses that jump out to you. When you read a passage of Scripture, you're listening to God. God is highlighting verses for you. You're listening to the Holy Spirit. Tuned in, listening. What is God saying? God, what is your plan? What are you saying? A desire to listen to God. So often in the Bible you read, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. She who has ears to hear, let her hear. Let her hear. In this responsibility to pass on God's word, it says, tell. The word tell is the same root word as book. Careful, detail, instruction, accurate information. Tell your children. Tell your grandchildren. Have your children tell their children. And continue to tell. Spreading God's word intentionally, building up. Our approach to ministry here is that we're grateful for our church, but we believe home is primary. In terms of kids growing in their faith, we believe the primary place, they're going to spend so much time at home and they're going to spend a little bit of time at church. We want to work together. When you talk about orange and the philosophy there, it's home and church coming together. We believe homes can be vibrant. We believe kids can grow in their faith at home. But that takes intentional, intentional discipleship at home. And then we work together at church and there's alignment and the two come together and that's powerful. And that's a picture you see throughout the Bible. Training up children in the word of God, following the Lord. And what about when hmm, there's a gap? And there's a gap between the world and the word. And Joel saw this gap and he grieved. He grieved. Maybe you've noticed the gap in our culture. And I want to tell you, it's okay to grieve. It's actually good to grieve sometimes. Because if we don't grieve, this is what I see for some followers of Jesus. They start to get bitter and angry, and judgmental, and feel better than, and a little self-righteous. God doesn't want us to go down that road when we see sin running rampant in the land. We see people bold about their sin. Instead, we want to be humble, and it's okay to grieve. In Psalm 119, the longest chapter in the Bible, verse 136, you're not going to find many chapters where you see verse 136, but this is what the psalmist says, streams of tears flow from my eyes for your law is not obeyed. Have you had streams of tears flow from your eyes because you see the destruction in our land and the rebellion against God? That's where the psalmist is at. That's where I think Joel is at. He says, righteous are you, O Lord, and your laws are right. The statutes you have laid down are righteous. They are fully trustworthy. God brings clarity. Yes, there's a mystery in life, but God brings clarity. And so often he'll say, if you want to go down this road, this will happen. But if you want to go down this path, this will happen. And we need it real clear. And in the book of Deuteronomy, he gave the people, here's two options, and this ties right into, we're going to talk about locusts today, and this ties right into the locusts. Now, the first option is Deuteronomy chapter 8, and starting in verse 6, God says, observe the commands of the Lord your God. In other words, walk with God, walk in his ways, revere him. 
For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with streams of pools of water, with springs flowing in the valleys and hills, and honey, uh, a land with barley, vines, fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil. Bread will not be scarce to you. You will lack nothing. I mean, this is the promised land, the abundance that God is going to bring if they trust him. And that's one option. The other option, Deuteronomy 28. God says, if you reject his word and you reject the Lord, then in Deuteronomy 28, starting in verse 38, you will sow much seed in the field, but you will harvest little because locusts will devour it. He's telling them locusts are going to come. You're going to plant vineyards and cultivate them, but you will not drink the wine or gather the grapes because worms will eat them. You will have olive trees throughout your country, but you will not use the oil because the olives will drop off. You will have sons and daughters, but you will not keep them. They're going to go into captivity. Swarms of locusts will take over all your trees and the crops of your land. All those blessings and the abundance of the first option will be taken by the locusts in the second option. So do you want abundant life or do you want abundant locusts? Because if you follow the Lord and honor him, he's going to bless you. But if you reject God and you go your own way and you find the idols, the locusts are coming. The word is so clear and uh, the word is reliable. When, we won't get into it today, but I, I want to encourage you, if you're doubtful or wondering, is God's word reliable? Dive into that topic because the number of copies, the accuracy of the copies, and the closeness and date from the original copy of the Bible, no other classic texts compare to the reliability of Scripture. Not to mention that it says it's God's word and Jesus says this word is truth. And there's just so much evidence that this is God's word. It's reliable. And we're going to see it's reliable in terms of the locusts and how that's going to play out. But, but before we move on any further, I want to encourage you and challenge you. During this series, listening to God, would you set a goal? Would you set a goal of, could be number of chapters. You want to go through this many chapters a day or this many chapters a week of God's word. Or it could be time. You say, every day, I want to take 10 minutes. That might be a big stretch for you. That might be a big stretch right now. Maybe right now you're getting about one minute a day in God's word to jump to 10. How many minutes for you would be kind of a next step forward to say, you know, during this series, I want to listen to God. I want to get in God's word. I want to have a life-giving habit, a new habit of spending extra time with God in his word. And I encourage you to do that. It's one of the reasons we put together this devotional journal. And you can pick one up in the lobby or, again, on our homepage. You can digitally grab it. But in here, it lays out different scripture. There's an acronym SOAP, which is the S, here's the scripture. The O, what are your observations about the scripture? What's happening? A, what's the application? And P, how does that lead you to pray? And there's also some different questions in there. There's places you can take notes. The whole design of the devotional journal is to listen to God, to get in his word, listen to God, and write down, what is God saying? What is God highlighting from his word? And so let's be intentional this series to incline our ear towards God's word. In difficult, challenging times, none of us would have anticipated this last year would be like it was. In difficult times, incline your ear to God's word. God, what are you saying? Here's the second aspect of a path forward, and it's identify with people who are in pain. And now we're going to get into the locusts. Look at verse 4. What the locust swarm has left, the great locusts have eaten. What the great locusts have left, the young locusts have eaten. What the young locusts have left, 
other locusts have eaten. And when you think about locusts, there's literal locusts. And then also in the Bible, they're metaphorical for invading armies and invading uh, military. They're coming into a land. But in this passage, it's literal locusts. Now let's take a look. We got a picture here of some locusts. Who likes locusts? I'm not seeing many hands today. Uh, locusts. Can we make a locust noise? Just add a little audio to this. Can you do your best locusts out loud? Let's, let's do it together. A little transparent, vulnerable here. Ready? You get some wings in there. You, you just start to get locusts everywhere. Locusts uh, when you're walking down the street, locusts in your house, locusts in your food, locusts in the bedroom. You don't have anywhere you can go where there aren't just swarms of locusts. And that's how Joel describes it, these waves of locusts. He says there's swarms of locusts. And then great locusts come in. And then the young locusts, the young locusts, they jump around. The older locusts, they're flying, they're buzzing. And then he says, and then there's other locusts. It's like in a job description where you read everything you're going to do. And then there's the phrase at the end, other related duties also. It's like, well, here comes the other locusts. I don't know who they are, but it's another wave that's coming in. Over about 90 species of locusts, we are told, exist. And this is what they have in common. Their jaw is like a saw. Let's say that out loud. Their jaw is like a saw. They come through, they strip everything bare, they devour the crops, there's too many to count, they invade, they devour vegetation, the sun is darkened. This isn't the first time. If you're getting a little bit of deja vu here, you know, going back to Exodus and the 10 plagues because God tackles injustice and God wants to set the people free from slavery, God brings locusts. It's not the final plague, but it's a significant later plague. And Joel points out that the locusts are kind of a warning. The day of the Lord is coming and the locusts themselves, not the final piece, but they're communicating. And I was watching, BBC had a video clip and this is their statement. There's no animal like locusts that gather together in the masses. And I was watching this video and they come quickly and there's billions of locusts 40 miles wide ready to invade and devour. There's just another, there's not another animal like that. 40 miles wide, billions of locusts. And I was thinking back to when we were going to take a trip to the Midwest. You know, there's some pretty big insects in the Midwest. I grew up in Minnesota. The joke was the mosquitoes, the state bird, because they're that big. But I remember these bug zappers. And we found these bug zappers like, yeah, we're going to take these bug zappers with us. We'll give a few away to people who live in the Midwest. They probably need it. You know, a little yellow bug zapper that, of course, kids like it. You turn it on and the bug comes and, you know, and he's done. Next bug. And, and you kind of think all these locusts coming. What if you have a bug zapper and you're just like, mm, bzz, 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 and then you realize this bug zapper doesn't have a chance against billions of locusts. And I think sometimes in our life, we have one coping mechanism and maybe there's a lot of self-help involved in there. And we pull at our bug zapper, we go, I can handle this locust, no problem. Bzz, bzz. And if you had that moment in life, you just realize, bzz, this is too much for me to handle alone. This is too big and difficult and prolonged for me to handle alone. And that's a moment of great spiritual growth and transformation because we realize I need God in an immense way. 
And we collectively, there's a lot of collective trauma right now in our culture. We collectively can't do it alone. We need God in a massive way. And Joel knows this reality. And we can relate what we've been through the last year in some specific ways. Joel identifies with three groups in particular, the drunkards, the priests, and the farmers. Listen to how he speaks to each group, starting in verse 5. Wake up, you drunkards, and weep. Wail, all you drinkers of wine. Wail because of the new wine, for it has been snatched from your lips. A nation has invaded my land, powerful without number. It has the teeth of a lion, the fangs of a lioness. It has laid waste my vines. It ruined my fig trees. It has stripped off the bark and thrown it away, leaving their branches white. Mourn like a virgin in sackcloth, grieving for the husband of her youth. Grain offerings and drink offerings are cut off from the house of the Lord. The priests are in mourning, those who minister before the Lord. The fields are ruined. The ground is dried up. The ground is destroyed. The new wine is drying up. The oil fails. Despair, you farmers. Wail, you vine growers. Grieve for the wheat and the barley because the harvest of the field is destroyed. The vine is dried up. The fig tree is withered. The pomegranate, the palm, and the apple tree, all the trees of the field are dried up. And then here's the potent summary statement. Surely the joy of mankind is withered away. Wow. You know, in the last year, there's been a lot of people who can relate to that statement, who have felt that. Like, where did the joy go? <laughs> where did the hope go? Where did the peace go? The joy of mankind, it just withered away in the locust invasion. So let's think through these three groups. The first is the drunkards, and you might think, oh, drinking a lot of alcohol. Well, yeah, that's one version but drunkards was a term that really covered self-indulgence. For some, it might be drinking or drugs. For some, maybe it's just self-indulgence and entertainment. For some, it's self-indulgence in self. It, it's just a version of self-indulgence. And what does God say? Yeah, that drink is snatched from your lips. You don't have the same pleasures. We live in a culture where for the last year, we haven't had the same pleasures as we usually do. I haven't heard the roar of the fans at a Sounders game for over a year. Uh, a lot of different parts of our culture where there's pleasure, we haven't had the same pleasures. And that's the statement to the drunkards. And then we have the priests, because this plague right here is going to affect worship. The priests bring daily offerings, grain offerings, drink offerings, and they don't have the offerings to bring to the Lord. It affects their worship. And again, we can relate because worship has been affected in different ways this last year. And then the farmers, there's no harvest. This ties into commerce and business. And just think of how many businesses are struggling, limping, or no longer here over the last year. And we read about the context then, and we can relate to today. Pleasures have been affected. Worship's been affected. Business has been affected. And we say, well, how do we enter in? And this is how Joel enters in. He enters into the people's pain. He enters in. Let me ask you, who do you think is very disappointed? Who do you think has deep pain points in your life, in your family, in your neighborhood, in your school, at your job? Who is it? You know, there's a lot of people right now, the marriage has never had more strain and strife and tension. We just see that statistics. There's a lot of people considering suicide right now. Uh, there's a lot of people very lonely, very isolated. There, there's a lot of people who live alone. 
uh, there's a lot of people who feel a real distance from God or don't know God or just trying to figure out where do I even start when it comes to heaven. When I think of our Asian American and Pacific Islanders, brothers and sisters, we read that hate crimes is up 150% in the last year. We look at Myanmar and what's happening in that country and the prayer that's needed. Uh, You look at people suffering today, whether it's in the world or it's on your neighborhood or it's in your family, and those pain points, that disappointment, it's all around us right now. So where's the hope? Well, Joel says the word my, and the word my is important. Joel identifies, God identifies. When God says my people, my is very significant. My is very powerful and positive. We are God's people, and God cares. He cares deeply. Joel cares. He listens in. I encourage you during this series to grow in your listening skills, listening to God and listening to other people, listening with your heart and with your mind, listening and caring, valuing other people. When you listen to people, it's a way you serve them and they feel cared for and really listen. You know, it's been said you have to ask three times to really know what's going on. First, you say, how are you doing? And a lot of people just say, fine. They're going to give a quick answer. But then you say, how are you really doing? And they tell you a little more. And if it's safe, after that, you can say, and how are you feeling about that? And then they're going to share even more honest and open. To listen to people's pain. Not be indifferent, not walk by the other side of the street, but to enter in. You know, I have a friend who is at a coffee shop, and he follows Jesus. And someone he knows who doesn't follow Jesus kind of threw out one of those zingers, and it was so loud the people in the coffee shop could hear it. And, And he could have taken a zinger right back. But instead, he asked a question. Well, why do you ask that? And then the person opened up, and they shared their story. And then he had the opportunity to say, I'm so sorry about your uncle and what he did and how he lived and how that affected you. And then shared a little bit about some pain in his life. And you see what happened there? Now that connection, uh, caring for each other, listening, healing, sharing that pain, that kind of conversation. That's what we need. That's what we need. And so uh, the hope that comes here, it's really identifying with people's pain. I want to encourage you to serve. In one word, serve. Not always a formal role to church, but serve. Serve people during the day. You say, how do you serve people? I think listening is a great place to start. Listen, understand, feel their pain, mourn with them, And that is, when we're feeling down and life is challenging, it's so easy to retreat and be inward and self-consumed. It's so easy, but that's a trap. And some of the health is to listen to other people and serve and connect. And Joel, he knows what's going on with different people and he enters into that pain. So we want to incline our ear to God's word. We want to also, as we look around the world, we want to identify the pain people are going through. And it leads to this, the third one, intentionally cry out to God in prayer. Look at Joel chapter 1, verse 14. Declare a holy fast, call a sacred assembly, summon the elders and all who live in the land to the house of the Lord your God, and cry out to the Lord. Cry out to the Lord. Look at verse 18. How the cattle moan, the herds mill about, Because they have no pasture, even the flocks of sheep are suffering. To you, O Lord, I call, for fire has devoured the open pastures and flames have burned up all the trees of the field. Right? There's drought. Even the wild animals panting for you. The streams of water have dried up and fire has devoured the open pastures. And it just shines right there in verse 19. 
To you, O Lord, I call. To you, O Lord, I call. Joel refers to the animals. He's even aware of what's going on with the animals. He, not only the people, but the animals too. What do the animals do? Well, you've got the cattle moaning. And sometimes when things are tough, we kind of want to moan like the cattle, complain a little bit like the cattle. And then the herds, they mill about. This word is the same word. The Israelites wandering in the wilderness, just milling about, wandering the same old trap circle, the psych, destructive cycles, milling about, and then the sheep are suffering. And we can relate to the animals that are suffering. You know, the sheep were listed last because it was said that sheep, this, the seeds had not germinated, but sheep are able to go into the soil and eat those seeds. So if, this, if the sheep can't even find seeds, then all the rest of the animals are suffering as well. And here's what we can point out. Our path forward, we're different than animals. We are made in God's image. We have dominion by God over animals. Animals are important. They're a gift. Care for animals. But we're not peers with animals. So what sets us apart? What makes us different? We have this relationship with God that's different. And we have an invitation. We have connection. We have dominion that God has made us so that we can cry out to God. It's one thing we can do. And God listens and God cares that we cry out to God together. And that's what we read here. God says, you're God. Through Joel, your God. What a reminder in two words. Your God. That phrase right there throughout the book of Joel eight times. To you. To you, God. We're going to go to you in the difficult times. And then fasting. They had required times of fasting, the Day of Atonement. But then they had additional times of fasting when life was challenging. We in our church have a rhythm where we fast intentionally the beginning of the year in January for three weeks, but then we also have additional fasting. We encourage a lot of people to fast for a meal on Tuesdays. AbideAndRespond.com is an equipping website that we put up, and you can learn more about fasting there. Sacred Assembly. You read about the sackcloth, this coarse cloth, ashes you read about in the Bible. Those were the outward. But a sacred assembly means that when we gather, let's be humble on the inside as we seek God. Let's be humble on the inside and cry out, earnestly, deeply, authentically, cry out to God. What you notice in the Bible is that when the people cry out to God, God moves. And that's true in the early church. That's true through the book of Acts. That's true for the Israelites in slavery. I've got two heroes in terms of prayer, kind of mentors in the Bible that stand out to me. One of them is Hannah. And Hannah in 1 Samuel chapter 1, she has been longing for a child. She has a barren womb. She's been longing and she cries out to God. And the Bible says year after year. And when I think about Hannah, it encourages me because I've cried out to God for things year after year that I haven't seen yet. And when I look at Hannah, I just like keep crying out to God. She doesn't have words. People look at her and say, you must be drunk. I don't know how it is for you when you get in that prayer closet and you cry out to God, but for me, when I'm really crying out to God deeply, I don't have words a lot of times. It's just this deep cry out to God. And year after year, and God answers that prayer, she has Samuel. It means God hears. God heard her prayer and graced, graced her. 
Uh, and then in Mark chapter 10, the other one, blind Bartimaeus. Blind Bartimaeus has been begging by the roadside for so long. This week I was listening to Fred Hammond's song, uh, Don't Pass Me By, Jesus. I was just moved to tears so many times this week thinking about Bartimaeus crying out to Jesus. And the crowd says, quiet, Bartimaeus, quiet. And I don't know how it is for you, but when, when I seek God and want to live for Jesus and go all out for Jesus, I find that there's a lot of people in the world that say, quiet down, slow down, not so passionate, don't go for it. And sometimes even followers of Jesus are like, let's just do this really kind of lukewarm thing. And Bartimaeus cries out all the more, no, I'm going to seek Jesus, Jesus. And Bartimaeus says, um, I want to see. And Jesus helps him to see, and then he follows Jesus. And I think of Bartimaeus just crying out, don't pass me. Jesus, we need you, Jesus. We need you. I'm going to cry out. I've got nowhere else to go. I've got no one else to turn to. Jesus, I'm going to cry out to you. And in that same spirit of earnest, sincere, authentic, deep, crying out to God, that's what Joel says we need to do. Say, so, well, why would we do that? I mean, that sounds kind of... It just sounds like it pushes us out of our comfort zone. Why would we do that? Well, here's why. God is real. God hears. God cares. God is good. God is powerful. God transforms. God heals. God is gracious. God brings good out of the worst situations. God is worthy. Why do we pray? It's because of who God is. Because of who God is. That's why we pray. When you get a right view of God, it leads to prayer. Uh, we have gatherings at our church uh, Tuesdays at noon on Zoom. We have Saturdays that are just prayer. We have prayer in our life groups. We have prayer after service, every service. Uh, we have prayer uh, in, I think, just every time we gather, we're praying. Why do we want to have a culture of prayer? We want to seek God. We want God to move. When we pray, it's not just about, oh, how many words, how did it sound? When we pray, ultimately, it's this. God, I'm giving you my attention. I'm listening. God, I'm giving you my affection. Jesus, my first love. God, I'm giving you my devotion. I want to follow you. And it's that relationship and that closeness. That's the essence of prayer. And even just to cry out sometimes without words. And I'll close with this reminder. In the culture then, the people were very prosperous, but they were not prospering. Their souls were not prospering. There was an abundance in the land at this time but they were not living the abundant life. And they were very focused on the material, but not as interested in the spiritual. They lost their way. They lost a lot of their joy. And this is a reminder, Joel saying, come back to the presence of God. You know, one verse in the Bible stands out to me as Samson, when you look at his life, it says the presence of the Lord had left him and he didn't realize it. Wow. The presence of the Lord had left him. And he didn't realize it. He was just taking God for granted. And they're going to have less after this locust invasion, but the renewal and the restoration is the returning to God. And we need a restoration, returning to God to come alive. God does the greatest work in the most challenging times. I'm going to invite the worship team to come forward and lead us. And, and let's pray. Let's pray together right now as we seek God as we listen to God in the stillness. What is God saying to you in his word today? What has God been speaking to you through the Holy Spirit today? What is God saying? Let's listen. Jesus, we need you. 
We need you for your healing, Jesus, that you bring into our lives. We need the hope that you bring. We need the love, God, in our hearts. We need restoration in our land, in our relationships. We need a hunger for your word. We need distance from some of the distractions. Jesus, we need a strong foundation, a clear direction, your courage. Jesus, we want to follow you. We're seeking you together. We're listening. And we pray in your name. Amen. Yo, subscribe to the YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs> subscribe to this channel.